0: Hi, everybody. This is Mike Collo for Crypto Cappuccino. Today, we have a very interesting guest, John Kraske. John is one of the top voices on LinkedIn. He often talks about NFTs, talks about Web3, and more recently, he's been talking a lot more about the connection between Web2 and Web3 and how to create those bridges. He was recently in New York City, so I was really happy to catch up with him and get some of his thoughts on that conference uh, with NFT, but also his more general thoughts about adoption in this space and what he's seeing. hope you can join us. Hi everybody. This is Michael Coller from Crypto Cappuccino, and I'm here with John Kraske. Hi, John. How are you doing? It's uh, a pleasure to be here. Awesome. Now you're coming at me from Austin, Texas.
1: Austin. Austin. Yes, Austin. Uh, I've been spending a lot more time in Austin over the last six months, and uh, I love it. I love it. I I'm based currently in LA, but my new company's based in the UK, and so. We're kind of all over the place, but uh, I guess that's the new world we live in, right? That's exactly. The world,
0: the world is our home. Exactly. Uh, now that we're free from pandemic, well, free. Everybody comes. We we can be wherever we want to be.
1: <laughs> I, I don't know. I, every, I think everybody that literally went to NFT NYC came back with COVID. So
0: <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. Um, I, I was I was very lucky. I was I, we were in Austin for the consensus conference and. I was telling my colleagues as we we're getting on the plane from here in Australia that I was like, look, we're almost odds on to get it. If you haven't had it, just, just get ready. Uh, we, we both got lucky. None of us got it, but gee whiz, it's, uh, there it, it was lots of opportunities to, to, for mass spread of events. But b- before we got into New York city, because I'm fascinated yeah. by, by what happened there, tell me a bit about yourself, John. So how did you come to be here in this moment of your life?
1: It was, it was luck actually, but I, I, I guess it all makes sense now. I, I As I was telling you before we started the show, I actually started my career as a CPA. I worked for KPMG, Price Waterhouse, then I worked for JP Morgan uh, in investment banking, and then decided to go and get my MBA at the University of Southern California. I always wanted to be on the entertainment side of, um, you know, um, kind of our. To, you know, I I, was, I I wanted to be on the business side of entertainment. So that was always something that, that really fascinated me. So I ended up working for Disney when um, I was at USC. I worked for a Spanish communications company. I worked for a really well-known TV producer. And then none of it seemed to pan out. So I took this like crazy, crazy detour, became an executive in the luxury interior design space for almost a decade, worked on the White House for the Obamas, celebrities like George Clooney, Cindy Crawford, Harrison Ford... Actually, I have a funny story about Harrison Ford. I won't uh, talk about that now, but if you want to bring it back up, I'll, I'll tell you about it. But uh, I, I, the pandemic happened, and like almost, I had been in the space for almost ten years. The pandemic happened, and I was just like, "What am I doing with my life?" I had spent one hundred fifty thousand dollars on my MBA at USC. I really wanted to be in entertainment and technology, so I used the the pandemic to really kind of like look at my life and almost reset it. So I went down the the, the path of like all the typical. Suspects, you know, Disney, Warner Brothers, Facebook, Google really tried to get into one of these, you know, top tier Web 2 companies. I probably applied to about a thousand jobs, had a hundred interviews, got rejected by 99 of those companies. And then all of a sudden on LinkedIn, I applied this job, NFT genius, didn't even, didn't even know what an NFT was, but they, they, they said they loved my profile and wanted to interview me. Didn't make any sense because I hadn't, didn't even know what an NFT was, had no crypto experience, no blockchain experience, no Web3 experience. Didn't make any sense. But the CEO, loved my resume. We had a really just nice chat, half hour, went great. He's like, hey, like let's have you talk to CEO, talk to him for another half hour. And I actually didn't get the job that I interviewed for. They said I was overqualified, but they liked me so much. They're like, hey, we're just going to find a spot for you. So that's, that's how I ended up in the NFT Web3 space. I'd love to tell you, I, it was like strategic and targeted. And I always had this passion for blockchain and Web3, but no. So I actually had to even learn what NFTs were before those interviews. And I started to get really excited about it because I could see the power of what NFTs and blockchain could do. To really allow brands and creators to better monetize their 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 assets, so it, it spoke to me on a very human level. But um, but yeah, it was it was it was kind of blind luck. But it, it kind of all made sense because honestly, I had never been happy in my career for the past you know the past twenty years prior to that. I just I, I didn't like being a, a CPA. That never was a fit for my personality. I didn't really like working at a bank. I I definitely did not like being an executive in luxury interior design space. Um, it just it just wasn't something I was super passionate about. So I, I'd been struggling forever to just kind of find my lane in life, and then Web three happened. And I get, I guess because the industry is so nascent, it gave me a chance to really sort of reinvent my my personal and professional life. And like like I said, you know, they didn't have a job for me, so I was actually able to create sort of my g- dream job within this you know the structure of uh, of uh, the company that I went to work for, NFT Genius, and. I've kind of taken that and propelled it now into my new job uh, at at LandVault, which is one of the world's largest metaverse builders. So, super thankful. Um, Yeah, you know, all all those failures, all 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 those just depressing days of not loving my job, they all make sense now. I've actually been able to take all those learnings (laughs) and apply them to what I do now. You know, like I have a very, I don't know, it's it's a moderately successful podcast. It's not, I'm never going to be Joe Rogan, but. It's it's like 10 times more successful than another podcast that I had done before, which was a complete failure. Um, you know, it, so it's just like you know, like all, all these different things, you know, because I have a podcast now like LinkedIn. I never I'd been probably playing around with LinkedIn for 10 years, just never had the right messaging and the right vertical. And then all of a sudden I got in the NFT and Web3 space and I just started like kind of posting every day and it, it all started turned around. But it it wasn't like I just like decided to do LinkedIn a year ago. I've I've been trying to figure out LinkedIn for like a decade, and so it clicked there. So you know, LinkedIn started to start, you know click on all cylinders. The podcast thing, and then in just terms of you know business development and and strategic relationships of what I do now and build community. It's something I've always done, and I've naturally been able to meet great people, connect them to other people, but I never monetized it. And now that's sort of my job. So I get to go around. And host all these amazing breakfasts and events around the world. Um, with uh, it used to be NFT thought leaders. It's now it just got rebranded last week to Good Morning Web Three Live. And you know we we host you know these in real life events where we're really trying to build community the right way in the Web Three space. So yeah, I mean it's it's weird. All, all everything, all, all the things I did before that just weren't really turning into success. Now it's kind of all crystallized and. Kind of are all kind of swimming in formation in the in the same lane. So uh, I'm just super thankful. But I, I guess I'm proof to anybody that to never give up. I it literally took me 20 years to even figure it out uh, in terms of my career and my personal life. But I just kept plugging ahead and hoping one day it would just happen. And Web three was it. But th- that was not the plan. I, I was not planning to be a, a LinkedIn uh, celebrity or be a, an advocate for Web three. Definitely never part of the plan. I the the, the original plan was like. You know, get my NBA Entertainment USC and be like a, a famous movie producer or an agent Ooh. or something really cool. That was the plan. You would have hated but, it. You
0: would have hated it, John. Yeah. It would have been terrible. terrible. Yeah, that's, that's funny.
1: I actually talked to somebody today that was, was was an agent and they were just like, I thought that was the dream and they, they were just like, they literally couldn't stand it after like a day of doing it. So yeah. yeah it's right.
0: uh, but yeah, it, so
1: it, that, that's that, that's the story.
0: It, it's funny how life is, is that journey, right? So when you look back over it, you kind of thread a a credible story through it, right? But at the time when it's happening, you just have no idea. As you said, a thousand applications, a hundred interviews, 99 rejections. Um, In a smaller way, I went through something, well, a couple of times similar in my life. Uh, again, in my case, it was with a PhD, early 20s guy, trying to figure out where you're going to go, you know, all these different applications. And then you know London comes through and suddenly you live in London for the next 14 years. But gee whiz, you yeah. would have not planned it or known it or, or gone that way. So no, that's fantastic. And look, I mean, you've done incredibly well. So I, I think LinkedIn top voices, you've got LinkedIn figured out. So that's fantastic. And so for all of us LinkedIn junkies, uh, we are desperately jealous. So I'm going to move on that topic before... Um, you know, yeah, I revealed that I might be one of these people. So you went to yeah. New York, and you went to New York NFT action, and you posted yeah. a fantastic comment on it. But but tell me about how what you thought about New York NFT. You know,
1: my, my perspective on NFT NYC. So I I I'd gone last year as well, which was a, a big party. I think you know people were coming out uh, out of the pandemic, and they, they were excited about in real life events. The vibe for this 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 most recent NFT NYC was. A lot different. It felt more like a funeral for a lot of those, those people that were sort of the so called superstars of the, the prior NFT NYC, the D the, you know, the, the I don't know, the, the NFT flippers. I don't know what you want to call them, but they kind of knew that the kind of the, the jig was up and it was kind of like this was kind of their last hurrah. And you start to see a lot more of the builders that are coming into space one of my my favorite events was a, an event by moonpay i i love what they're doing i love the team they've built out they're they're really they're really focused on you know gen pop uh, adoption of the you know the amazing web3 technologies. and I, I i just i can't say enough great things about that event but it was it was really focused on onboarding brands from web2 to web3 just very educationally focused just a, a really smart room and then we had our nft thought leaders breakfast that uh so house the first day, amazing turnout. We probably had over two hundred people there. In the capacity, there was like seventy. So so house told us that was the best event they've ever had for a breakfast um, in a long time. So that that was a a nice compliment to receive. But the, the energy was electric. People were there just to meet, collaborate, figure out how to to work together. So yeah, NFT NYC. I think those two events. That was an event I hosted, and then another event that you know a bunch of people from my breakfast invited me to the MoonPay event. But in general, the conference was it was a little stale, It was a little flat in terms of energy. Most of the people that are there, not even going to the conference with well, the day I, I spoke, half the people didn't show up because they were hungover. So I just think, and, and there were there, there's 1500 speakers. There's no way there's 1500 people knowledgeable enough to be speaking about NFTs right now. So. I feel bad because I'm sure there's a lot of people that spent their hard-earned money and dedicated their time, really trying to increase their knowledge base. But that's just that's not the way it needs to be done. So, definitely one of the things we want to do with Good Morning Web Three Live, our community building organization, is to really start focusing on the educational part. So we're going to be doing like a weekly newsletter. We, um, you know, interviewing top innovators and creators in the space. We're going to be working on some type of conference. I, I think it. I think the Austin thing is still probably a go at this point. We just need to figure out internally um, um, how, how we want to structure it. But it really would be focused on bringing a lot of those Web2 brands into the conversation. Because again, the conference really didn't have enough Web2 brands, in my opinion. And that's where all the growth is. They're, they're not still being included. It's still a little too Web3 native. So the next step is to start bringing in those, those individuals into conversation. And I've done that with some of my my own personal events. And it's exciting. I had a, a VIP dinner a few months ago in LA and some executives from Goldman Sachs were there and they loved it. And it was just such a fun experience to see them kind of immersed in the Web3 world. And they couldn't get enough of it. But it's that kind of inclusion with the, the, those brands and those individuals to get them not only excited about the space, but also just to like increase their knowledge level. Because a lot of these deals, like in my experience, are just kind of dying because the executive team doesn't understand what the technology is, how it's going to impact the organization. They don't even know how internally, how they're going to build it out. You have to convince a CFO that, Hey, this is a marketing expense. The revenues, it's almost impossible to project revenues right now. So there's just a lot of things that have to happen, but all these problems just create opportunity. So that's the way you should look at it. You should be excited. Like It's a mess. There's lots of chaos right now, but that means opportunity. So jump on and get jump on board and get involved because... This technology is going nowhere. So the reality is, is I you know I missed out on the Web two train. I didn't really take advantage of it, maybe the way I should have. But this is the same feeling I had because I grew up in Seattle, and it's the same feeling you had when Amazon and Microsoft were in the early days. You just you, you get that same feeling about the space. It's definitely there's something special happening. But get involved now because uh, this is a, like a runaway train that's uh, not slowing down anytime soon, and I think I think compared to Web one and Web two, this the the the, the, the evolution of this is happening in a
0: much quicker scale. So, yeah, and, and, so. and, and, and just on this because uh, I think the topic that we also connected on was this notion of of providing a bridge, right? So between Web two and Web three, and yep. I think that generally goes for the entire blockchain industry. Like we're moving into a phase sure. now where they need to start applying this technology to industry problems and need to go and help people solve those problems rather than yep. what it seems to be at the moment, which is almost like. A hippie commune in the middle of the desert, trying to recreate their own economy, a barter economy. At some point they have to take some of those ideas uh, back to back to the big city and, and and start to apply it. But but in terms mm-hmm. of what you see there in the Web two to Web three, is there a particular industry or industries at the front of the queue for this? In, either because they are more innovative by nature, so they're kind of interested in the space, or because the solution really solves a problem for them.
1: I mean that's. That's a, that's a great question. I'll I'll tell you the industries that are not like jumping on is entertainment which which we <laughs> thought was like we thought that would be entertainment would be an early adopter. They're going to yeah, be a very really slow strange. adopter. Yeah. Yeah, cuz you know when I worked at NFT Genius, my, my my verticals were TV, film, sports, um pop culture and um and music. Music, you know, music was one I you know, I feel like though in entertainment music's probably going to be the first one that's going to really kind of figure it out. And and the the only reason I even say that is based on conversations I'm having with builders that are building some amazing products. And literally, like today, I literally had four conversations with people I'd never even met before. And they were all... It was all music, Web3, blockchain ideas. So yeah, I I feel like music right now, music circling. I feel like music right now, just based on my... My sort of sphere of influence is going to be one of those uh, industries that's going to jump on a quick TV and film. I don't know. I, I'm not really seeing much on, in, in my world that's even interesting or happening. I, I even know that Netflix is not even, last time I talked to somebody there, they're not even looking to put this on their product roadmap for a couple of years, which is completely insane. And then, you know, I've, I've had conversations with automakers. I know some stuff going on in the medical world. I think real estate maybe could be there's going to be some interesting things there. There seems to be some buzz happening there, but yeah, I mean, I, I I don't know. I think music right now seems to be sort of the the number one for my uh, kind of uh, radar in terms of what's
0: happening. So, yeah. which is exciting. So, I, mean, it, it, I think I've certainly seen a lot of stuff in sports. I mean, the tennis, rugby. FL, that kind of stuff again a little bit more along the lines of trading cards you know what you used to yeah used to do those or, are collectibles though yeah, yeah. collectible yeah. kind of stuff they're not really the full gamut more kind of like you're you're dipping your toe in the water like the, the immediately immediately obvious things to kind of you know attract the new generation to your brand and product and and put your um yeah essentially put your sport in front of them to make sure that yep. they kind of are trading that are thinking about that but i guess because the, the, the big the big question for me with nfts generally is whether they start to evolve beyond the sort of digitalization or digital representation of a picture or a video onto something more sophisticated like a code base or an algorithm or something else and then you cre- anything that has relevance to have scarcity that can be traded in that way in which case it's a bit more of an industrial use case it's almost like you know um, things like uh, information packets that are being traded versus the marketing spree which i think is probably one of the most obviously in front of you Elements between the metaverse and and between these other ideas that you can put your brand and your your product in front of consumers in a much more exciting way, in a much more engaging way, in a much more kind of a, a repeatable way. So I, I, this is why I'm sort of surprised that luxury brands, for example, and, and Chanel and all those, are not at the front of your list in terms of where you think that might go.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, all the big fashion companies are obviously adopting it, and they, but they've done, you know, all those all those Kind of drops have been very small and bespoke. I mean, those are, I mean, luxury fashion. I, I don't know. I just don't consider luxury fashion mass consumer adoption. I mean, it's, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, because so, so that's why the music to me is more interesting. That, that feels like a more of a, a mass consumer adoption plan. I, I, I just, I've seen, I've seen real products. I've seen a, a music file sharing platform that just blew me away. It's very Web 2.5, built by a, a former Meta executive. of the cleanest things i've ever seen and it's just so simple and i don't even know if it mentions the word nft so that's that's the other thing too i mean this this terminology is nonsense i mean we're not you're not getting any any mass consumer adoption if we keep talking about nfts web3 this and that it's it's uh, it's almost unnecessary to be honest so yeah yeah yeah. but no i mean the fashion stuff is is super interesting and they're doing their thing but i talk to people in fashion all the time they, 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 you know what? the Fashion people though, they're they're great at creating hype and buzz. But I, I don't know. I haven't seen that many like products and, or you know projects. and like, wow, that's like a game changer. I mean, the Dolce Gabbana was cool. Whatever you go you get a visit at the factory, you get to go to some cool fashion shows. But that was like what six NFTs, and there was some digital stuff. But I mean, am beyond that. I mean, I, I don't, I don't know what their roadmap is. I, I just think, I think you know, Starbucks. I know is really looking into it. That could be super interesting as well. So I think I think like consumer product companies, you know, using the NFTs like for loyalty. I think that's super interesting. I think a brand where you can level up the customer experience. I'm a Soho House member. I know that they're kind of toying around with the idea of launching NFTs to level up the, the customer experience. Because I mean, as me as a customer SOH, I would pay another five to ten thousand dollars a year through an NFT for you know elevated access to certain other benefits that I, I currently don't receive. So I think that's the way the brands need to look at it. Like, how can I level up the customer experience for my my rabid fans, and and really take it to the next level. So I think that's where NFTs really can unlock some magic and and just make things more sticky between the brand and the customer. The, the, the potential is there. It's just time to start building, though, right? I mean, all these things, all we can come up with a million ideas right now, but you need builders to execute it. So that's the other thing I've realized. I've I've heard every idea at this point, but unless you execute it it's pointless because even when I started in the space, the company I was at, literally, the, 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 the initial idea of why I worked at that company completely pivoted five different times. And by the time I left, I was like, I, I don't even know what you guys are building anymore it's because it's not what I signed up for. But it was initially a music pr- platform, actually. And then when I left, it was basically like, cartoon PFP projects. Um, so I was just like, wow, this is a, ma- a massive pivot. Uh, definitely didn't execute the, the initial vision. So it's, again, execution strong management teams, great people. I mean, really basic r- basic things that all apply the same fundamentals that apply to web1 and web2 that make business successful apply to web3. So, I think that's the thing. But if there's one thing I'm good at, dumbing things down, like literally just like let's get back to basics in terms of how to build a proper business and well, we, 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 we,
0: we talked a little bit about this notion of product as well, like for product, product managers and building, building, building. One of the things that, that right. I noticed in this space is there is a lot of emphasis be, uh, placed on building, like building for builders, right? So it's a little bit like yep. what AI was at the beginning when people kind of created lots of different libraries that they share with each other. Here, you're building for other builders yep. as well. And yep. I, I feel like if we're going to build that bridge back to Web2 or even traditional economy, then you need product people because product people are going to go and talk to people in the street who are not web3 people and ask them what their problem is and then figure out actually whether your product actually solves a problem or whether you're kind of propagating more of your kind of bias in terms of yeah web3 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 but actually it doesn't really do much
1: yeah yeah i mean the the route is i mean it, the process of buying an nft and getting the metaverse it's still clunky and it's not fast and there's nothing there's, no, there's nothing frictionless about it right now. It's... No, it, it's yeah, complicated. But, yeah.
0: but, but I think I think your point was well made, which was it, you want this digital infrastructure. So the same way that I have Apple Pay or whatever else on my phone, I want to have access to that readily ease to my digital wallet that I can either pay or look at my NFTs or whatever else. And then it, you know you can't take this down to this notion of levels of, of membership or VIP or whatever else with different organization, different elements. I mean, and that this was mentioned about Amazon, for example. If you love Amazon, you want to own its shares, you're a Prime member, maybe there's all multiple tiers of, of engagement and proximity you could have with this company based upon this tokenization, right? And so whether you're deriving NFTs as benefits or whether NFTs are themselves these tokens, the idea is that, yeah, you're you're getting closer to to tiers of engagement. I guess the question becomes, like, how do you then share that with others? I mean, one of the big elements of art or digital art is that it's traded with each other and there's a little bit of competitive tension and so on. Uh, you know, would brands want to continue to to maintain that? I mean, I'd love to, I, I love some of the luxury car brands. I really enjoy looking at these cars. I really enjoy visiting them. I'd love nothing more than to have unique, you know, once a generation released NFTs or tokens or items or whatever else that I, that I can I can look at. I mean, that, these are really cool things. I pay money for that. I be. it's like membership of clubs, right? It's kind of like your little communities
1: yeah no that's yeah i mean I, w- I was talking to a major global automaker last year and they were going to be doing a i think it was a 120 year anniversary edition like there's they're just going to make literally 120 cars um and they were thinking about leveraging nfts because the demand for those 120 cars is going to be much greater than you know what they they were manufacturing. So I just thought NFTs would be a super interesting use case because I think the secondary market on those would be insane and they would benefit, right? So if they, but if they don't use the NFTs, then they're just going to go sell those. And then the buyers of those those cars are the ones that are going to benefit in the secondary market. But I just think it would be, and also like the exposure in the secondary market for the brand would just be amazing. They would be able to control that experience as well. So yeah, I mean, that was, and you know, I mean, beyond even that, you know, they can you know more like more mundane uses, they can be using the, the NFTs for car service records and supply chain and all these other use cases. So yeah, the, the, the possibilities are endless, but uh trust me, there, there's plenty of smart people starting to think about it. So I'm um, I've been that that's the one thing I like going back to the NFT thing, NFT NYC, it's a lot more builders starting to enter the
0: conversations and be a part of these men. So I'm I'm really happy about that. That's really good. Maybe one of my my last questions for you, John, around this kind of thing. So um, in your experience, when engaging with Web 2 to Web 3, so traditional industries, who within those organizations do you see taking up that mantle? So if you walk into one of these industries, who's the person who goes, yeah, I got this. Is it the COO? COO? Is it the chief marketing officer? Is it just the, the intern who's, uh, you know, below the age 25 going, guys, I think we should innovate here. Um, I mean, who, who, who do you see uh, in your vision? It's, it's a mixed
1: bag. It's pretty rogue right now, to be honest with you. So when I was in Amsterdam, I was, I was meeting with uh, the individual from one of the big music labels, and he just took it upon himself to be that person. But then he found out what happens is somebody says, oh, wow, Web3, I want to be that person in the organization. They start having all these conversations with people like myself and other brands. And then they take it up through like the CMO or the, you know, the CFO or their chief innovation officer. And then they find out that there's five other people in the organization doing the same thing. So that's been kind of what I've seen from most of these big organizations. It's kind of the same story. I mean, I don't know what your experience is, but that's kind of what's happening. And then then they create this like internal web three task force, which means basically nothing's getting done anytime soon. So that's that's kind of where we're at. There's other organizations, obviously, that are a little more tightly, you know, wound, and they're re- they're really executing to make it happen. But that's it's a, it's a very it's a, it's a very small amount. It's probably just like a handful. But,
0: but but I think I think that's really important because I mean, again, just to run this parallel with AI, AI was also one of these technologies that came along about ten years ago, promised to do a lot of things in terms of efficiency and outcomes and so on. A lot of companies ran POCs. There's a tremendous interest to run proof of concepts. Um, but very few of those actually materialize into larger scale or even core activities, very minor, even 10 years on now. And partly, again, it's the notion of how do you assign revenue? How do you put this at the core of your offering, as opposed to nice to have or a satellite thing or around the edges? Because at the moment, as you say, technology is younger, it still not have mass adoption. So we understand why today it's a POC. But in order for that to be kind of, again, bought into and, and actually rolled out and committed to and become eventually a core part of the value proposition. Surely you need to, um, as you say, go up to, the, to the, uh, the vertical of all of the executives and say, hi guys, chief revenue officer. We're going to be able to increase your revenues by 20% using this new technology. Yes, they're bought in, right? COO, we're going to be able to improve your efficiency of your operations using some of these digital wallets and infrastructure by 20%. Great. You're bought in, et cetera, et cetera. Like, unless you go through that, what you end up at is you end up in a smaller segment of the business in a small little niche group who loves you, but has no power to essentially scale that, you know, idea or anywhere near across the entire organization. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: When I was in Amsterdam, I met with, uh, the head of Web3 for a big auto group in Europe. And he just said, he said, how does Web3 or NFTs help me address my KPIs better than what currently exists?'" And I was like, wow, that's actually, that's the best advice I've gotten from somebody at a brand. That actually is the the simplest way to look at it. That should be the first question you're asking. What are your KPIs? How are you currently addressing them? And then you, as you, you know, you as a, as a, as a Web three founder or uh, executive, can go back and come up with solutions to address that. But I like that actually. That was that was some of the clearest thinking I've 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 seen so
0: far in the space. It, it comes back down to economics of it all. Like okay? I mean, again, it, I think when you're in the Web three space, it's hard to see that. I think when you're trying to build a bridge between Web two and Web three, which is what we're talking about, um, or indeed any new technology, you have to then speak the common language and again in my experience the common language is economics or kind of you know the dollars in the sense that there are technologies which are more intangible value like brand and and various other things so i wouldn't dismiss that but a lot of these things could be quantified and ultimately the things that be quantified into something uh then ends up having more reality in a conversation and more tangibility that there's more reason to go and spend five or ten million dollars updating infrastructure marketing telling the world that you're going to be embracing nfts for example if you know that you're going to make $15 million, or you think you're going to make $15 million out of that activity, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, I mean, I know Adidas has had, and Nike Artifact have had some successful drops, but I'm like super curious how many of those people are actually like hardcore Adidas or Nike fans. Or are they just, you know, you know, flippers and and sharks and speculators? I, I, I don't know. I'm sure that they're trying to mine that data to figure it out. Is this actually, is this really helping our brands with our core customer and the customers we want to attract? and retain in the future.
0: Yeah. I mean, it, I, I see a large part of the NFT working really well with the metaverse or something more immersive because then it feels like you're interacting with it, you're using it, you're whatever. Otherwise, it's a little bit like a keychain. You've got it on the side every now and then. You're like, oh, that's a nice keychain. But ultimately, there's no kind of in usage, which is why the gaming industry, as it creates these NFTs and trades them and there's some value to, to you. But again, that's just such a beginning part. If you think about... Why haven't we? Well, why are we not talking about? I'm sure we are, but we could be talking a lot more about metaverse as it pertains to adult education, as it pertains to I don't know nature watching or whatever. I mean, just just pick an, any other activity that you'd like to be actually immersed in, rather than little cartoon characters running around making silly signs at each other and, and being yeah. somewhat inappropriate. Um, and you'd rather kind of go, okay, well, why don't we have I don't know the? Why, why can't I sit in you know a Japanese nature garden? In my immersive metaverse experience, and and that's actually my NFTs are related to that activity. I mean,
1: yeah, yeah, no, it's 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 a it's a it's a, it's it's a valid question, and I think I think the, these kind of questions are going to start to get answered more and more
0: over the the coming quarters. So I cannot wait. I cannot wait. I have a VR headset. I'm ready. I'm ready. It, it might be a previous generation one, but I, I'm set for the early adoption. It's good. Well, listen, uh, thanks so much for your time today, John. I don't want to keep you because it's uh, hot in Austin and uh, I'm sure that a a cold beer beckons or something uh, similar.
1: I I actually have another big podcast I have to go on tomorrow. So no beers until after that. So (laughs) yeah. So I, I like to, I like to stay fresh when I come on these podcasts and give always my, my a game, but it's always an honor to be asked to come on a podcast. I, I really am I'm, I'm always humbled. It's uh such a fantastic opportunity and uh hope your listeners enjoy. And obviously, you know, find find me on LinkedIn. That's that's where I live most of the, that's the day. Yeah, that's, that's, that's uh the- find me, reach out. You know, I, I did something new today on LinkedIn. Not, not not something new, but I just made a more of a focused effort. And that's how we, we even connected to just really get back and actually make a bunch of time this week to have conversations with people that have emailed me because my inbox does get flooded and sometimes it becomes so overwhelming that you just kind of shut off but I, I literally just had, had you know a bunch of calls and conversations even like this with just people that have reached out over you know the last few months and some of my favorite favorite conversations so if anybody wants to know what's the most important metric on on LinkedIn it's definitely real human connections and having these conversations cuz you just never know one of them could change your life i would say the majority of my my friends now in life are people I met on LinkedIn last year, which is completely insane. And it's it's always it's always interesting because you feel like after you leave college that you really stop making a lot of new friends. But in this space and on LinkedIn, that you can you can really, really ramp up your 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 personal and, and professional network very quickly, especially in web three. So LinkedIn for me has been that tool. Highly, highly recommend it. Get involved, start following content creators like myself. Obviously, obviously, you as well, Michael. So you know, just you know, it's 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 important. You know, engage, find other people that are commenting, start commenting their posts, maybe reach out to them with a the DM, have a conversation, and it kind of snowballs after that. So LinkedIn, I'm telling you right now, LinkedIn is the great equalizer right now. So oh,
0: I couldn't agree more. I mean, I um, that, that's how we connected. I, I saw a fantastic post from you about about New York City uh, NFT. It made me really think about a deeper way of, of what's happening and it kind of prompted me to reach out to you and you're quick to to reference but I love your post recently uh well not that recently I guess it's three uh three months ago now but had a launch an nft project in 2022 over thousand uh 1000 likes 328 comments top voices <laughs> of a uh, thing and it's really sensible and it's nice and the comments that you see underneath it are proactive and positive and people are are kind of debating in a miniature way, some of the things that are happening and thinking about it. So it's it's a propagation of positive social dialogue and, and kind of, you know, not just positive in the sense that we talk about something positive, good, but, but we're helping each other. And, and there's a learning element to which, which I love about um, uh, LinkedIn generally. So I I've, like you, I've met some wonderful people on, on LinkedIn. I continue to do so. Um, especially thought leaders, especially people who are trying to think about things deeply and trying to find a venue for that. I used to have another podcast series called Curious Quant, where I interviewed all these people for about a different topic area, which is AI in, in um, financial services. Now I have the pleasure of, of interviewing people like you who are thinking about Web3 and, and this next evolution of blockchain. So for me, it's just a uh, it's an absolute pleasure and, it, and it's an absolute cornerstone of my of my engagement into that world um, that, that, that LinkedIn provides so we're both LinkedIn fanboys I, I get that you're a top voice I'm not a top voice but but we're both LinkedIn yeah, you, you, you know you matters. can be there really good. hey
1: hey I, I, trust me I, I'm gonna do a post tomorrow I mean I, I went from from 10,000 followers to 35,000 followers in one year so anybody can do it it's just you got to be dedicated post every day just engage yeah you it, it sort of consumes your life but in a good way so it's once you get over the hurdle of like, okay, I can post every day, and it's there's nothing to be scared about, and you start like meeting up with people in real life or having conversations, it it, it snowballs and it becomes very natural. And I'm I'm so thankful. It's it's, it's insane that the the network you can build if you start to engage. And I just uh, I just can't I can't advocate enough. I, I, a lot of people don't execute, but there's other people that do when I tell them what to do, and they um I see the results. It's, it's really insane. I, I helped one person go from 1,000 to 6,000 followers in just a month by just doing a couple basic things.
0: It's not yeah. its not even that complicated. That's awesome. Well, yeah. uh, awesome. Well, thanks so much for the advice and uh, yes. and, and your thoughts on NFTs and, and community building. And um, yeah, have a lovely day. Thank you. I hope that you enjoyed this episode of Crypto Cappuccino. If you did, please do come to our website, clans.com sign up for newsletters, the weekly news updates, or indeed open up an account if you're interested in buying or selling cryptos and digital assets. And later on will be our digital strategies and investment strategies. So I hope to see you soon.